Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about debt reduction or really debt management. You know, there's lots of people out there and books and articles and seminars and strategies advocating the idea of borrowing to invest in assets, whether that's property or shares or something else. And that gearing as a strategy, that is borrowing, uh, is a, a really wise thing to do. And it's true, it is a good strategy if one, used prudently, you know, that is we don't go and over borrow, and two, we adopt a proven methodology to, to invest in quality assets. So as long as those borrowings are used to, uh, used to invest in quality assets in the long run, if you've done it well, it's going to work really well. Except that very few books, articles, people, advisors uh, ever really talk about what do you do with that debt? You know, how are you eventually going to be able to repay it if that's what you need to do or reduce it? Um, or do you just make friends and live with that debt? And that's what I want to talk about uh, during today's podcast. The first thing is you need to think about interest rate sensitivity in retirement. So if you've got $2 million of lending and interest rates rise by 1%, that's another $20,000 a year in just pure interest costs in respect to those loans. So how's that going to impact you in retirement, particularly in a, in a situation where you know, you're going to be relying upon just um, superannuation and other investment returns? So it's really going to eat into your... Um, free cash flow and therefore maybe uh, negatively impact your standard of living. You know, the other thing to think about too uh, these days is interest only versus principal and interest. So typically the interest only term on a loan is about limited to five years. After that five year period, the repayments switch over to principal and interest. Now, if you're retired and you go back to the bank and say, look, I want another interest only period, uh, maybe they're, they're probably likely to say no at that point. So in fact, the cash flow cost of hanging on to that debt longer term might be even greater than what the interest amount is because you have to pay principal repayments. One thing I'm really super keen to avoid when putting strategies together for clients is to avoid any negative gearing in retirement. So that is, if we've got a property portfolio, I want to make sure that that property portfolio, by the time we reach retirement, is at least neutrally geared. So that is that the rental income is enough to pay for all the expenses, including the interest in respect to the loans. I don't want any negative cash flow. I don't want the property portfolio dragging cash flow out of our pocket at that particular time. But zero de debt in retirement isn't necessarily the most optimal uh, result to aim for either. So some level of debt is actually um, quite productive. And it, although it has to be conservative and you've got to consider your interest rate sensitivity in terms of cash flow, um, but having some level of debt still might be acceptable, although you'd have very conservative, uh, certainly more conservative debt levels typically than what you'd have um, pre-retirement. So let's talk about um, debt repayment uh, strategies or tactics then. And there's uh, five that I'd like to sort of share with you. Now, um, I, I will, uh, when I'm developing a strategy, I'll think about using a combination of uh, strategies. So I, wouldn't, I don't want to be relying upon one, just one strategy in order to achieve the outcome. Uh, I want to know that there's a couple of strategies that we could implement to get rid of debt just in case one doesn't work. So for example, if we're relying upon cash flow to repay debt and it doesn't work, I know we can um, uh, switch across and implement a different strategy. Okay, so let's talk about them. The first one is 
buying an asset specifically to sell. So um, that would involve uh, obviously selling a property or some shares um, at or after retirement and using those sale proceeds to reduce debt to an acceptable level. Now, selling an asset uh, is one solution to reducing debt, but then might create a, a, another problem. That is, do you have enough remaining assets to still fund retirement? So what you need to do is build it into the plan. And you, if you say, look, I need one investment property uh, to, to work alongside with my super so that I've got a comfortable retirement, that what you might do is, is buy two, for example, and sell one, then keep one in retirement. There's two things that you need to think about. The first one is capital gains tax. So that's going to that's gonna eat away a, a, a significant proportion of your returns. So then it makes sense to try and look for ways to mitigate or minimise capital gains tax. So that might be buying a family trust, for instance, tenants in common with a, a spouse or in your super fund. The second thing to think about is asset selection. So if I'm putting a strategy together for a client and I know we want to sell a property within 10 to 15 years, for example, then I'm going to want to select an asset and that asset in a location that I think is primed to deliver or or best primed to deliver uh, good returns in the shorter run rather than the longer run. So I might, for example, select a house in Brisbane. I I think Brisbane uh, houses in Brisbane are are well-priced at the moment. Um, and maybe a house in Brisbane that lends itself to a subdivision or a renovation, you know, an old Queenslander that we can build underneath, for example. Some sort of value add that, so that we're not just relying on the market to generate our returns, that is just generally increasing prices, that we can do something to that asset to generate those returns. And for example, all things being equal, maybe the best uh, ownership structure for an asset like that would be super, So that if we sell it in retirement, so when the super fund's in pension phase, we pay zero capital gains tax. Therefore, we get to hold on to more of our money. So they're the sorts of, that's why it needs to be built into the strategy because there might be things we want to do today that that will set up a debt repayment strategy. The second uh, idea is cash flow. And uh, I did a podcast last week about the importance of cash flow management Uh, which is absolutely critical, so you can certainly check out that one. Uh, But essentially, the cash flow strategy really just uh, relies upon uh, generating as much surplus cash flow as possible and putting some or all of that into offset accounts. That'll do two things. Firstly, it will reduce your net debt exposure and therefore interest costs um, and therefore interest rate sensitivity. The second thing it will do is improve your investment portfolio's liquidity because you'll have ready access to a significant amount of cash should you need it. And that might become important if you want to retire before you can access super, which is uh, age 60 if you're born before uh, June 1964, which uh, most people listening to this podcast probably fall into that category. Uh, So putting money in offset accounts, uh, that's a cash flow strategy. Number three is withdrawing monies from super. I'm less keen on this, but depending on the quantum, and the asset allocation, the asset base a client might have. But you might find, for example, that you can get pretty close through cash flow and you might need to drag maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars out of super to put in the offset account to neutralise your property portfolio. You would want to make sure that you still have enough money in super still to, um, to fund uh, living expenses and so forth. And the other thing you want to think about, which is kind of contradictory, is that you, I mean, super is a zero tax environment at the moment. If you've got a balance of less than 1.6 million, 
which is, you know, it can't get any better than that. So in a way, we want to take as little money out of super as possible to try and keep it in that zero tax uh, environment. But using some of your super monies might, might still be an okay um, uh, a strategy. Uh, the next strategy might be uh, just to reduce debt to an extent where the property is self-serving. So that is that its rental income is enough to make, pay for its uh, expenses and the interest costs or, or the loan repayments and or. Uh, just so it's neutral. Now, that means that the property assets aren't really going to help you retire because they're not going to generate any income. But what it does do is buy you a little bit of time and a, and a longer runway really for property to work. Uh, so that way, what you might, uh, how you might view your strategy is you might say, look, super's going to fund, say, the first 10 to 15 years worth of living expenses, after which time I would have uh, come close to exhausting my super balance. But that buys me another 10 to 15 years for my property assets to work and really generate that compounding capital growth. And I've got a link uh, in the show notes to a video that I've put together that sort of illustrates the benefit of compounding capital growth and really the distribution of capital growth when investing in property and the distribution of income as well, which is really an important point uh, to absorb, particularly if you're putting a strategy together. And lastly, the last, the fifth strategy is really downsizing the home. Now, I'm reluctant to include in a strategy um, the the assumption that we're going to generate uh, some cash from downsizing the family home and the reason for that is that um, one we might decide we don't want to do it in the time that we that that we project and two uh, quite often people uh, can overestimate the amount of cash that might get from downsizing so that is that they might downsize in terms of accommodation size but not necessarily in terms of purchase price you know you might live in a suburb where your family home's worth two million dollars today But if you wanted to go and buy a brand new, well-located luxury townhouse, uh, it might cost you, say, $1.5 million. So net of all selling costs and stamp duty and all those sorts of things, you probably won't walk away with a significant amount, proportionately significant amount of cash. So therefore, that's why I'm kind of reluctant to do it. But in some limited situations where appropriate, I will start building a strategy around potentially downsizing the home in order to retire debt particularly in a situation where a client has home loan debt, so non-deductible debt. We definitely don't want to take any non-deductible debt into retirement. So um, hopefully this discussion around debt repayment strategies has highlighted how uh, holistic a plan needs to be, you know, that, that super could have an impact on your property strategy, for example, um, and super is going to have an impact on your cash flow strategy, not only now, but also in retirement as well. So all these things are interrelated. You know, how we invest in property and how we're investing in super should be congruent and interrelated and all should go towards building one or achieving one particular goal, which is a comfortable retirement. So um, have a think about your debt repayment strategy. What is your investment strategy? And, what are, and as part of that, what is your strategy to deal with debt in retirement? How much are you taking into retirement? Is that appropriate? Or do you really need to formulate a different strategy? As always, there's more information in the show notes and the blog on our website. And until next week, bye for now.